Hi, weather friends. Welcome to the Girls Who Chase podcast, stories of women in weather and storm chasing. I'm Jen. I'm a storm chaser and science communicator, and I'll be your host. Girls Who Chase is a new initiative that empowers and inspires girls and women around the world to pursue the sciences, the weather, and their passions. On this podcast, we'll bring you the badass female and female-identified voices of the storm-chasing weather and science community to raise and tackle some real-life tough questions and issues and identify solutions and paths forward. You can find out more about what we're doing at girlswhochase.com. Now, on to the show. When Girls Who Chase first landed on the interwebs, we did some polling to see what kinds of topics our followers might be interested in. And we were surprised to discover that almost 100% of our responses were requests for the basics of learning to chase. Things like how to start learning to forecast, what to bring, and how to stay safe in the field as a woman. So we've teamed up with the best weather education expert we know, Rachel Sanner, founder of the esteemed chase group Tornado Titans, to bring you Chasing 101s for this podcast. Rachel has been chasing since 2003 and has a background in media, communication, broadcasting, business, social issues. Yeah, I could go on. She's a self-taught chaser, which for sure has contributed to her uncanny ability to break down complex topics around weather forecasting. She's also the creator and curator of Titan U, a free resource library packed with educational videos and blogs about how to chase storms. Titan U was one of my primary go-to resources when I learned to chase. It's accessible, easy to understand, and really well-produced. I highly recommend that if you're in a learning phase, you check them out. They're at tornadotitans.com slash titanu, and of course, we'll link to everything in the show notes. So here is your Chasing 101, just for girls who chase. So now we're going to talk about safety, which is, I think, um, important for everyone for a variety of reasons. I mean, obviously, storm chasing is inherently not the safest activity for a lot of different reasons, but um, particularly the notion of safety as a female or female-identified individual um, introduces a, an additional host of considerations that uh, I think we definitely want to talk about, especially for our folks who are kind of new to this or just dipping their toes in, um, just important to be aware of in advance. So let's talk about um, general safety related to the chasing part, I think, first. So what, what, what comes to mind for you? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is that I've been doing this for a long time now, like many, many years. And if you are ever targeting or if you're ever chasing a storm to the left of its mean motion, I've, I mentioned that in the last segment about trying to keep up with a storm. But if you're chasing left of the mean motion in terms of positioning, like if the storm is moving northeast and you're north of the updraft, you're in the danger zone. That is an absolute like big no-no, especially if you know what you're doing, then you don't need me to tell you not to target there. You're, you're comfortable with it. But if you don't know, if you're newer, that sort of thing, be to the right of that motion every time, like east, southeast, south, something like that. It's going to keep you safe. You're going to stay out of the hill. And you're also going to generally be away from the lightning too. I have a big chicken when it comes to lightning, and it's kind of nice to be setting away from where the lightning is striking in a storm. And you can just kind of enjoy it. Uh, my chase style is where I 
basically wait for a, a storm to be imminent tornado. If it's going to be photogenic, then that's when we get closer, you know, try to keep that buffer zone of a few miles. And if you want to get closer, I think when a tornado is planted and you're definitely right at the mean motion and you're able to just kind of like go bump up against it and look at it and then kind of retreat back, that's a really good way to be. Uh, that This method, as one example of how this works, tons of chasers ran into problems in El Reno in 2013, right? Like, I mean, not to mention the infamous encounter that Tim Samaras and his crew had. Um, I, I honestly, like El Reno, I was frustrated as heck because I got done with that chase and I was like, this was an HP grungy mess. Like this, this behaved like every other storm I've ever seen on a boundary, completely unremarkable chase to me. It was just like, I saw this tornado, but it was kind of getting grungy wrapped up and I didn't once think, wow, this was a really dangerous situation and people like were in trouble because it didn't register that to me because I was like staying right in the mean storm motion the whole time. And so it didn't really like, I mean, I was just like, this was a storm chase. It was, I'm frustrated because there's traffic. I'm frustrated because it was HP. I'm frustrated because it was like a big, mean, uh, high instability boundary storm that did a lot of stuff underneath that base. But yeah, so but it was unremarkable. And that's because of how I chase. I chase to the right of the mean motion and it just like, it keeps you safe. It keeps you out of harm's way. And like the most harrowing part of that El Reno chase for me was like the RFD kind of surged. It like really like grew and surged really quickly. And so we like got like kind of skirted by that because some chaser for with New York license plates was like going 20 miles per hour down a dirt road, which was really frustrating. <laughs> but like, <laughs> Where, where it was safe to go 40 or 45 and we would have not, like, I was sitting there thinking, if this has baseballs in it, we're done. We're toast. We're toast. And yeah. that was, so, you know, so that, that, that's like the best, like general, like number one safety rule for storm chasing I could ever give anybody is like, if a storm's moving northeast, think about that in terms of the, like the 360 degree thing and be to the right of it. Just be to the right of that. You're going to be fine. Because you got all these options of escape at that point and you don't run into issues. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, there's definitely an urge to get extremely close, get the best footage, um, really push the envelope, I think. And I think some of that, you know, we see a lot of folks on television getting up and close. But I think folks need to think about the experience level of the people who are doing that, um, how long they've been doing that, how well they know storm behavior and the signs to look for if something is going to change. Um, and also just recognize that at the end of the day, nobody has control over what that storm is going to do. And so the best way to stay safe is to stay as far away as is as comfortable for you and to, like you said, put a buffer between yourself and the the danger parts, right? And that could be a hail core or, you know, if, if it's just crazy lightning or if there's a tornado imminent or down, um, you know, there's there's lots of ways to position safely. And I've also found, you know, being a newer chaser um, that every year I've chased, I've gotten closer. Um, I started really far away, like so far away, sometimes I almost couldn't see anything. <laughs> um, and I, there's nothing wrong with that, right? It just yeah. kind of took me a while to understand the different parts of the storm and 
um, to start to recognize storm behavior and the like. And, you know, my dream tornado would be some kind of very slow moving, like low precipitation, something in a field that's just spinning in a field that I can get right up on because it's not going anywhere or doing anything. Yeah, I, I mean, I would just be honest, like I've seen a lot of tornadoes at this point in my life. And the ones that you remember, the ones that you wanted to be close on were very obvious with the storm right before it tornadoed that you wanted to be close. Like the RFD was mostly dry. The storm was ramping up. So, you know, like this thing's going to be highly visible and like it's going to be like you want to be closer to this. Other than that, like I do, I keep a buffer zone of one to five, six, seven miles, depending on the storm structure and the road network and such. And I just sit back. I kind of like and people talk about like they're structure hippies or they're like extreme chasers or something. I like to think I have my like hand in both cookie jars, so to speak. Like yeah. if it's going to be a really highly photogenic tornado, I get close like I do. I will go up there and I will uh, shake hands with it. We'll talk up. We'll talk about life and uh, how <clears throat> talks about all that stuff. But if it's going to be a really great structure show, set back, enjoy it. Like the atmosphere is incredible and these storms are really cool to look at. So definitely like, uh, yeah, when it comes to being safe, like it's it's kind of common sense. The closer you are, the more things that like the further away you are, there are more things that can go wrong and you're okay. The closer you are, you might be one or two things going wrong and not being okay. Like you could be driving to the tornado, a uh, nail could be in the road. And suddenly, even if you're right in the mean storm motion, you're setting it with a flat tire as the RFD slams through with baseball size hell in it. Like that's one thing that went wrong that completely messed up the whole day. And so the further away you are, the more uh, latitude you have. Absolutely. Um... So let's tailor that now to lady chasers. Um, I have a note here about maintaining awareness. And I think it comes automatically to me as a woman um, to maintain awareness of my surroundings in general. I think because we spend so much time in the middle of nowhere, like literally in the middle of nowhere, dirt roads, um, you know, there's random properties on both sides. We don't know whose property it is. It's not close to a town or if it is, the town is, you know, barely functioning. Um, that, you know, just thinking about, okay, how far out am I? How much backup do I have? Does somebody know where I am in general? Like maybe somebody knows in general where you're chasing that day or they're expecting you to check in at some point. Um, you know, I've had chaser friends who just kind of keep an eye on my spotter dot and make sure I get home okay at night. Um, so just kind of that awareness piece. I mean, especially speaking of night, um, as you're approaching night, if you're out at night and photographing lightning or you've got a nighttime storm that you're shooting or you're on your way back from a chase, just, you know, recognizing that nighttime is also not sometimes the safest for a variety of reasons, whether it's, you know, driving itself or like if you are in a town, if there's like sketchy individuals, stuff like that. Yeah, I can say as, uh, you know, I, I'm trans. I definitely have seen both sides of this. I see like how different it is when you're perceived as uh, female versus perceived as male. Like I, 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 I have seen it. I have felt it. 
to my innermost core. Like it used to be like I could sit in a field at 2 a.m. at night photographing lightning, my lights off, and I didn't have a care in the world. Did not bother me. Now, like I see a set of headlights and it's like there's a lot of ways this could go wrong. Like my head goes there now. And I'm like hyper aware of all those things. Uh, and this isn't to scare people out of ch uh, storm chasing. Like there are ways to mitigate this kind of fear. Like one of them is like maybe finding a group of trusted women to chase with, like strength in numbers, that sort of thing. Right. Right. Uh, yep. some, something like that. Or it could be that uh, you do have people who know where you're at at all times. My 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 partner, she is constantly able to see where I'm at because we have a family tracker app. So she knows where I'm at at all times. She can uh, see what I'm doing, that sort of thing. And I think that a, a little bit of common sense too probably is best as well. But there, the towns and the middle part of the country right now are hurting. They're really struggling for a lot of reasons. They're just barely hanging on sometimes. There's a rise right now in the photography community. This is uh, across the spectrum of things like gear theft and such. So you have to really be uh, aware of these things. Like people are, are people are figuring out that cameras are worth a lot of money. And if you're out in the middle of nowhere by yourself, I mean, you're you're. I it's it's like I again. I don't want to scare anybody, but you just need to like be thinking about these things as you make decisions on if you're going to chase alone. What does your chase style look like? What does your chase day look like? That sort of thing versus if you're in a group, which it's a little easier than if you're in a group to take a few more ri personal risks, so to speak. So it's just like, it's up to like how you're handling each day. Yeah. Um, that's a great point too about just, uh, that family tracker is interesting. I didn't even know those existed. Um, so that's another option too. If you If you have a family member who's concerned or something, of that nature, um, finding a way to stay in communication with them, especially you know, we travel to a lot of areas that don't have signal um, yeah. or have a poor signal. And so something that operates on GPS, um, probably a better option for something like that. Um, yeah. And I would just say too, you know, um, if something is making you nervous or doesn't feel right, trust your gut. Like it's not worth taking the time to second guess yourself or just assume you're wrong or whatever. It's, it's, you know, we have intuition for a reason. <laughs> and um, in cases where you're in an unfamiliar situation or location and something doesn't feel right, um, it's time to leave. And, you know, there's, there's always going to be more storms and more lightning and more opportunities to take photos, but nothing is worth being in danger for. Yeah, I, I can give a great example of this, honestly. Like I was shooting the monsoon in central New Mexico, just south of the Albuquerque metro. I'm on this, like it's a busy-ish highway, you know, it's it's the type of highway where you'll get a car every few minutes kind of thing. Like it's not completely dead, but it's like pretty quiet. And I'm sitting there and I'm shooting this beautiful, marvelous storm. And this guy in a really crappy car just like kind of pulls up and just like starts to like pull in slowly. And I'm, I immediately went, no, 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 I don't, I don't give a, I, Bye. yeah, I don't care <laughs> what this is about. I don't care if you're just coming out here to marvel at the storm too. There is no situation where this conversation could go like, there, there's like one way this goes well and like a million it doesn't. I'm out. Bye. And so... I, 
I, I think this is something too, to keep in mind, um, this thought just crossed my mind because I was able to do that because I had one camera shooting. There's this tendency now amongst a lot of uh, photography folks to like have three or four cameras set up. If you need to bug out of a situation in a hurry because you're by yourself and you have four cameras set up, good luck with that without damaging something. So if you're by yourself, just be thinking about stuff like that too. If I have to bug, if I have to bug out of this situation quickly, can I get, can I just like pick up my camera and throw it in the back of the car, so to speak, on the tripod and just scoot? Or am I going to have to like grab four or five different things at once? So just, I guess that's something I've been doing. I didn't even realize I've been doing, but if just into in like just with my intuition, I was already figuring that out and such. But if you're chasing by yourself, make sure that when you need to get out, you can get out quickly. You don't have to like, yeah. So make sure you have a car, your car keys are in an accessible spot, that sort of thing. Just, yeah, don't, don't be the person in the horror movie who's fumbling for their car keys and like have that awareness where they're at at all times. Most, most likely best in your pocket, but that's up to you. Fair enough. Um, you already mentioned this, but, um, back to the weak cell signal. So, um, I got myself in a little bit of a situation last year where, um, a storm, a like garden variety storm hit a boundary and, um, it was in an area of about 5,000 Cape and we were not in town at the time and watched it blow up and had zero cell signal. So the majority of Eastern Colorado has horrible or no cell signal unless you are a Vero wireless customer. And, um, and I, so I want to talk about cell phone signals for a minute because, um, they're relevant for a lot of different reasons, both with chasing safety and ability to call 911, um, GPS and mapping and the like. Um, so we did not have a signal, got into town, had a signal. And then as soon as you leave town, you lose signal again. And unbeknownst to us, the storm merged and kind of swallowed us. And so we had three mezzos surrounding us. We sort of knew where one, uh, one was. We did not know where the other two were. And we had no mapping updates. And the only, our only escape route um, basically got swallowed by a southern storm that got sucked north. So um, we haven't talked about escape routes yet, but we should definitely make sure we talk about escape routes. Um, so we ended up um, kind of escaping out the forward flank of the northernmost storm. And I was waiting for the wind to change direction to drive into a ditch. <laughs> like that's how, that's how not great that situation was. And it was um, blowing. I mean, there was stuff blowing at the car sideways that I'm, I can't even place the wind speed. It was not I am generally a very cautious, risk averse. I'm the one who's the farthest away. I don't like getting hailed on. I don't like getting in sketchy situations. I'm always preaching to people about being careful. And so I was not happy <laughs> about this situation. And the part that was the worst wasn't that it was happening. It was that we had no idea where the mezzos were. And that was because we had no cell phone signal. So, um, Obviously, I had already done some research on things like boosters 
uh, before that. But the problem with a booster is you, if there is no cell signal, there is nothing to boost. Um, and so when you're in areas that are completely signal dead, um, you're, you're a little bit out of options. So um, one thing really I think that especially people who are chasing alone need to think about is how are you going to maintain enough of a signal to get data? Um, if you don't have paper maps, you need to download offline Google Maps or find a different way to get mapping information. Because if you need to escape from a storm quickly and you don't have a good sense of the road network and it's moving fast, um, you really could be in some trouble if you don't have a cell phone signal. So um, I think, you know, from an emergency perspective in terms of like if you need to call 911 or you need a tow or you need some kind of assistance, it's important. Um, it's important for radar access, for road network access. Um, and then, um, you know, just thinking about different options. So we talked about boosters. The other thing really that we used this year that I, I thought worked great were Wi-Fi hotspots. Um, where you can, um, you know, pay for six months of Wi-Fi service, I, ideally on an opposing network from what you run your cell phone on. So if that network isn't working, you have a better chance. <laughs> um, and I spent the majority of the chase season with a signal this year, which made me feel 10,000 times better. So, I mean, like my worst case scenario would be getting stuck somewhere in the dark without a cell phone signal by myself. Um, these are all things I think that we want to avoid. Yeah, that's uh, that's my worst fear too. That's like, uh, I mean, a couple of safety tips to avoid with that too. Don't drive down dirt roads at night. Just trust me, trust me. Things can get, they, they look great, but they're really not. Uh, that, that can go really south on you really quick. And uh, the other thing too is... Um, Know, know your cell phone network. No, like, like seriously, this is going to sound so ridiculously simple, but it's true. Like if you're an AT&T customer, get to know that damn map from all across Tornado Alley from start to finish, know where the dead zones are, know exactly where it is. So like I can tell you, like there's a big dead spot there by Medicine Lodge, Kansas. There's also you get a little bit of deadness there in southeast, east, southeast Oklahoma. And then it gets really bad in parts of like the high plains as well. So knowing that too, and I'm just going to put this shameless plug in. I'm an old school chaser. So if you can, there is paper. a real paper maps are great, but also just like I catch myself. I, this is no lie. Like I catch myself going, where the hell is my cell phone on a storm chase? Like I do not have a clue where it's at. Like it's like I, there have been many situations where we've had to call my cell phone to find and, and it's like on silent anyway, so it doesn't matter. But because I have no idea where it's at, I haven't seen it in hours. So learn storm structure and behavior so well that that happens to you that you're just like, oh yeah, well, of course. Like I, I don't, I have a cell phone. I, that's that's an interesting uh, theory <laughs> about life. Uh, it does. I mean, definitely. Like if you have people who are wanting to like get in touch with you, it could be bad, but. Uh, try to chase without a cell phone sometimes. Like just just put it away in the cupboard and just see what happens. It it could be interesting. And oh, I'd sound like I'm an old person and I enjoy it. But yeah, no, just... I mean, the, the, there's I was gonna say something about learning storm structure 
um, because that will also keep you out of trouble in a lot of cases. And, you know, looking back on my sort of horror scenario that happened in 2020, um, I think there were a lot of red flags, including, you know, I knew the I knew what surface ops were. I knew what environment the storms were moving into. I didn't know that they were all going to get sucked into one giant mass and swallow everybody. But, um, you know, if you have a storm that hits a boundary in an environment where there's 5,000 Cape, well, things could get really interesting and probably you should give it a little bit of space. (laughs) So it's, it, yeah, you just like learn to use your eyes in a lot yeah. of cases as and, well. And, I mean, it's it's that. It's also just learning, like, some things. Like, here, that that rule is exactly it. Like, if there's extreme cape, if you're looking at 5,000, 6,000 cape, and there's a boundary, the storm's going to do weird things. It's just going to. It's going to really, it's going to surprise you. Uh, I mean, this that's why, like, during El Reno, I keep bringing that day up, but it was actually, like, people are like, I've never seen this before. This is so completely new. Who could have ever seen this coming? Everybody who's ever chased a boundary storm in an extreme cape knew this was coming. Like, this was not surprising that this storm had a tornado that did a really wild path. It really wasn't that wild historically. It was just a path of a tornado that did a U-shape around the mezzo. And it was throwing out, chunking out satellites, like, miles away from the parent tornado. Like, that's, like, what big boundary, big cape boundary storms do. So... For one safety tip, when when the perimeters are extreme like that, expect storms to do really weird things because they will, and they're going to surprise you. Another great example of this uh, is the Greensburg supercell in 2007. My, my overarching theory is, and I hope we never have to see this play out, but if that happened with how people chase at night today, we would have lost chasers that night because there were satellites being thrown out to the east of that tornado in what you would have thought were safe spots, like constant satellites, constant, constant. And at night, you cannot, you you just do not, you cannot anticipate that at all. There is a really famous picture, or actually it's not a really famous picture. It's a really famous picture in my mind. It was the Greensburg tornado and it was like cone, cone, cone. Like, it was just like three satellites with it. And it was just like, especially at night, give storms distance with big parameters because stuff like that is that that's the stuff of nightmares to me is that you're just sitting there, you're watching this tornado happen and you, you're under a base. And all of a sudden, like you hear this screaming sound and all of a sudden, like it's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the stuff of nightmares right there. So. Yeah, same. So, yeah. Oh my God. Yes, yeah, back if you don't get, at nighttime chasing is not when you get close. That's just that's all I'm going to say is like that's there's that's where things are going to go wrong in storm chasing sometime in the next few years. So just stay back. <laughs> um, let's think about emergency kit. So we mentioned this a little bit in what to bring, but um. You know, you're out in the middle of nowhere, something happens to the car. How do you get out of there other than getting pulled out of a ditch by a tractor? (laughs) I think, uh, you know, the best emergency kit, and this is this, I'm really sounding proactive here or something, but the best emergency kit is actually to not get yourself in the emergency to begin with. And that's like the, the very first thing you can do. Like, again, like, especially like dirt 
dirt roads, period. Like, are you sure that road's dry? Are you sure it's passable? Are you sure it's going to be passable in three miles or four miles or five miles? Like, are you sure you're going to be able to go down this dirt road fast enough that the storm coming up from the west isn't going to catch you and turn that road into mush? Like, when you leave pavement, you leave a lot of things to chance. So that's the first thing, like, to stay safe. Like, if you want to absolutely stay safe and you are not sure roads are going to be dry, stay on pavement. That, that's going to get you a long way. Uh, you know, a couple of things that I try to do to ensure safety is, uh, first off, I try to make sure I have a first aid kit uh, in the car. Just like you never know when uh, you're going to run into a cactus at night. Like chasing in West Texas at night, like you're going to kick a cactus at some point. You're going to get a cactus and go on your toe and you're going to need to pull it out and put a Band-Aid on there. So that's, I mean, it's just the reality of chasing. Um, that sounds delightful. Oh, it's, yeah, it's delightful because you you actually have this moment where you're like, did I just get bit by a rattlesnake or was that a cactus? I'm really not sure right now. And I I got I got to get back to the car to find out. <laughs> right. So that that does have that's happened to a couple me a couple of times. Uh and then like I think like things like flashlights are important. Like make sure you have some good flashlights. Uh I I I'm going to throw an old Titan plug for lead lenser. Uh, they sponsored us for the 2012 chase season and it was incredible and they have incredible products. So if you're looking for a good high quality flashlight, see that sponsor sip, she'll pay for itself. Let her. It's happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, uh, also, I think carrying some extra water uh, just in case, just uh, extra water and food just in case, because if you do get stuck, there is no cell signal. It is dark. You're in the middle of nowhere. Well, you could go walking in the dark and hope something happens, or you could camp out there till morning and get a better sense of what's around you and then go find help. And that's usually what you want to do. And you want to make sure if that is the case, you have water and food. So, I mean, it's going to be uncomfortable as heck, but you're going to be, you're going to be okay. You're not going to be dehydrated and all that stuff on the other end of it. Absolutely. Um, there's also, I have started to carry fix a flat. Um, which, you know, temporarily can get you, I think it's about, I think they said something like 30 miles mm -hmm. um, if you deploy it um, on a, with a flat tire. Um, some folks carry tire replacement kits, um, things like jumper cables. I travel with jumper cables now, uh, both for myself and if I come across someone who's got a dead battery or something. Things like flares. Um, just, you know, thinking in terms of the what ifs, right? So again, like the options are somewhat endless. So yeah, that uh, period you can be, yeah, uh, tire inflators that can be powered by your car. Great. That's a great thing to have. Uh, honestly, a battery, a jump start battery that you could, that will jump your car. If your battery does go dead, that's a, that's actually something I carry with me. You're, you're getting my mind thinking about all the things that I take for granted, but I'm paranoid and none of these things ever really happen, but I always have stuff. That's because you have the stuff with you. <laughs> that's, that's probably true. Like I think through every possible thing that could typically go wrong and then buy something for that. It's going to be about 40 or $50 per problem, but I promise you, you're going to have a trunk full of stuff that you'll use one time and be thankful you spent the money for it. Oh, and it'll save you thousands on the back end. From... Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about is there are a lot of folks who like to sleep in their cars and um, this is relevant for everyone, but I think particularly relevant for women 
um, which is, you know, really thinking carefully about where you're doing that. And mm-hmm. is it in a well-lit area? Are there other people around? What are the other people like? Um, you know, are, how, are, is your, are your doors locked? Are your windows covered? Um, all of that kind of stuff. I mean, I started looking into sleeping in my car and then decided I was too old. <laughs> But put enough put enough thought into it that, you know, really started to think about the safety aspect of it, which is part of what actually shut me down. Um, yeah. And I'm not at all discouraging that. I know a lot of folks do it and it works great for them. And that's awesome. Um, I just don't think it's for me. But I think it bears mentioning because um, it's cheaper. A lot of folks are trying to save money. Staying in hotels can add up, that kind of thing. Sometimes where you're at, the hotels might be full. So um, definitely worth mentioning. Yeah, I I will just say a couple of things about that. First off, yes, to all that, what you just said, I realized I was too old and yeah, but I actually do carry with me an air mattress that that's another thing that's in the back of my car. So if it does turn out that I'm a hundred miles from nowhere and I just need a place to sleep, I can make my car work for a night if I need to. But I, I mean... This goes down to like some things that we could talk about that, you know, that could possibly be, I I don't know how else to put this, but it's nice to have the extra income coming in elsewhere. So like a hotel room isn't the biggest deal in the world that you can splurge even for, even if it's just a Motel 6, like you're going to have a place that's like, splurge. (laughs) you're going to, you're going to really like, you're going to be okay. You can get a like Motel 6 or even like one of those. $40 $40 a night place at local places yep. town in America. Like, it's just like, there's something to be said about like sleeping in a nice, safe, comfortable place with a lock on it. And that sort of thing. That's not like, yeah. Yeah. But if you are going to, if you are going to sleep in your car, if you're going to do that, the thing I, I kind of, my rule is, is that there has to be multiple other vehicles there. So if you are trying to sleep somewhere and there is like, Yeah nobody else there and you're just gonna like bed down for the night that's like that's it's not smart it's not 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 a great decision i've thought about like things like campgrounds that sort of thing uh you could possibly find that are free and there might be people there but i would just say like make sure you're at a place where there's like multiple people not just one other person too like make sure that there's like multiple people there like i i love truck stops for that reason because they are busy there's people coming in and out all the time so people aren't going to just like necessarily try something if the, the place is busy it's like a there's like safety in numbers that sort of thing so yeah but if you can i mean at least budget in like a hotel room every you know couple of nights if you can just just for the pure trust me from this the pure like i need rest standpoint sleeping in your car is not going to fulfill you the same way that a bed will yes agree yeah Um, And, you know, I I do want to say that we're saying this recognizably from a place of privilege um, and that not everyone can afford that and you've got to do what you've got to do. But that's exactly what we're talking, why we're talking about this, Um, because if you've got to do what you've got to do, we want you to do it safely. A big thank you to our media tier level Patreon sponsors whose recent arrival and support is ensuring the continuation and growth of the Girls Who Chase podcast. They are Nasli Zainab, Angela Kramer, 
Jen Lowry, Jennifer Grand, and Betsy. Today's episode was recorded and edited by me, Jen Walton. Our music is by storm chaser Lori Bailey in collaboration with artist Ines Lobo. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. You can follow us at Girls Who Chase on Instagram and Twitter to hear about our upcoming events and see storm photos and videos from our badass contributors. You can support this initiative by donating or by becoming a Patreon member, where you'll get exclusive access to storm chasing content, forecasting information, and merchandise. You can find links to all of these at girlswhochase.com and in the show notes. Signing off for now, we'll see you under a mezzo.